right. Welcome back to True Vine Talks. This is Rachel. We've got Linda and Caitlin here, and we're going to talk about a pretty heavy subject today. So I just kind of want to start by giving a little trigger warning that if things that you've been seeing or hearing about in the news have been really troubling to you, this might be a podcast that you want to skip for now. We're going to be talking about um, some of the traumatic, more violent things that the news has been sharing and how that can create a lot of stress in our lives and ways that we can try to cope with it. So if you're not feeling prepared um, to hear about that, feel free to skip this podcast. Right. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. And um, yeah, so I think. Caitlin, you had been talking with us before we started the podcast that this has been a, a topic that's coming up for you a lot. And what are some concerns that you're hearing from your clients? Yeah, of course. Um, a lot of my clients and, and myself have been really heightened by the things going on in the news. Um, there's been a lot of mass shootings, as we know. And and I just want to um, mention, too, before we go too deep, we're not talking about the polarizing nature of this issue. We're not talking about the politics or anything like that. We are, are focusing on how hearing all this stuff day in and day out affects our mental health and what you could do to kind of safeguard that. So that's that's kind of the purpose of today's podcast. Right. right. But yeah, it, it can be so stressful when you tune into the news and you feel like you're experiencing it with the people who have went through the different traumatic events, the shooting at the grocery store, uh, Uvalde, mm -hmm. uh, all these different mass shootings. It, it's traumatic. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see. It's hard to hear about. It's hard to think of the the families that are immediately affected, you know, through loss and tragedy. It's really hard to not put yourself in the other person's place. Like I can remember after um, Uvalde happened thinking about going to school um, and what that's like for the kids there and staff administration, like how scary that is. Um, so I also work for, uh, a school system as counselor as well as with Truvon and the atmosphere at school the next day was just so somber. Mm. Yeah, you noticed that shift mm -hmm. immediately. Wow. I remember the yeah. first school shooting back in the 90s. I was yeah. telling my age here at Columbine and mm. we were just like in shock and like, what's happening? Why, what, who, for what reason? I mean, you're asking all these questions and that that was tough. That was tough to hear and, and see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was the first school shooting or not. I have no idea, but that yeah. was scary. Yeah. I think that was the biggest, the biggest one and the one that is definitely um, memorable when we think back to. So all these horrible events that have happened. Um, Rachel, can you remember when the uh, Virginia Tech shooting happened? I think for some reason, I think I was like very protected from the news. 
really? growing yeah. up. I don't know why, but because I know my parents were always watching it, but wow. I think just for some reason I was able to like block it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was, um, that was my senior year of high school. <laughs> and I can remember being so scared to go to university after that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you would be. Yeah, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about a survey from the American Psychological Association that they did back in 2019. Um, and it, their findings came up with um, the results that all these events in the news affect one third of people from going out and living life and doing things that they would have normally did because of that fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to protect ourselves. Yeah. Right. And when you're like realizing there's not a hundred percent guarantee that it's going to be safe at school or at the movie theater or at the grocery, you know, wherever, that is terrifying. Yeah. And how does the, and that's a part is like, how does your body respond when you're having a visual external threat? And it uh, goes into- Tense up, yeah. I think, is it like watching the news, the brain isn't really able to differentiate between like, oh, I'm, a safe observer versus like, I'm living this, I'm right there in the action. I think it's difficult for the brain to truly know the difference. Mm -hmm. We get like tense, our heart races, maybe hard to like breathe. Sick. Sick at our stomach. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. They can't, I don't think the brain can differentiate the threat, right? Is that what it is? I think so. yeah. Look me up on that sometime because I'm. I don't think you, the brain, when it sees a negative event, no separates it from it being a threat to self or other. I'm not sure if that's accurate. You'll have to check me out on that. I think I think it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. And so you had um, the polyvagal information that you wanted to share. Oh if, yeah. Or you don't have to if you can't bring that up. Yeah, I think you have to make me the host again. Um, and oh, okay. Think, yeah, I think it's, a, I think, I don't know. It's kind of like um, important. Yeah, it shows the science. Yeah. So it's kind of validating, oh, this isn't all in your head as we right. hear much. Here it is. Okay. So you do you want to um, kind of walk people through what this image is? We've got the, got it pulled up for anyone that's watching on YouTube. Yeah, so when your, your body is in homeostasis, serotonin levels are good, you know, you're, you're feeling the dopamine levels are right levels, your body's in what we call social engagement. You can see there it's in the green. You're grounded, you feel present, you're, you want to connect with others, you feel safe. Um, and it, it lists there what's going on in the body, the circulation, oxytocin. You have the ability to be calm. And when do we feel these things? Well, I feel them when I'm outside. When do you guys feel socially engaged? Yeah, I'm, when I'm outside in nature, when I'm with my you know, closest friends and family. Yeah. I feel safe. 
Mm-hmm. When's that for you, Miss Caitlin? When do you feel most socially engaged? Probably in a cozy atmosphere. So whether that's outside and um, good weather, doing something I enjoy, or in my own living room with my family around. Nice. And then we go into the orange zone. This is the fight or flight when our sympathetic nervous system is being ignited. So if you're watching the news or you're on your feed on your phone and it's popping up, you know, just think of a flashing light, red light, and your body's like, oh, we got to restrict. The blood is starting to restrict and you're not moving you're just sort of like what do I do do I need to how do I respond and this is where you just start feeling deactivated and and the anger shows up all these emotions what do these emotions serve for the individual what are the emotions how do they help so when we pick up information from our environment, right? We're making meaning out of it in our brain. And that meaning is what kind of triggers the emotion. The emotion tells us how we need to respond to try to get back to that stage, state of homeostasis, right? So if we're feeling anger, it's like we're, it's because we're, our body feels like it's experiencing a threat and we need to protect ourselves. Linda, when you were describing this, I was just thinking of um, how I can be having a good day and then a push notification will come through on my phone. Another shooting somewhere, another act of violence somewhere in your community. And um, instantly it's a shift. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in like less than a second, right? As soon as you read that or see that, boom your body responds. Why should we unplug? <laughs> There's the answer. Yeah. There's the answer. Yeah. And who wants to talk about freeze mode? Freeze, freeze. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, on the image, there's kind of like three layers. We've got the social engagement homeostasis at the bottom in green. In the middle is this orange and red fight or flight. At the top is this blue freeze. And this is when we kind of clam up. We're not able to move. We're probably not even able to form sentences to speak. Um, you might feel numb, might feel dissociated, shut down, hopeless. Um, we're just kind of like so scared. You're like kind of playing possum. Sometimes they describe it as, right? Or like a deer in headlights. It's just like, I don't know what to do here. A lot of people say their mind will be racing when they're frozen, right? Or just like kind of scattered and all over the place. They're not able to kind of focus in on, okay, what, what do I need to do right now to move out of this? Sounds very stuck. Yes. Stuck is a word that comes up a lot. Being yeah. glued to the TV and being glued to these images mm. or not knowing what to do with this information. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. So good, good 
good insight, Caitlin and Rachel. And, you know, with a veteran and, and with Charlie, my husband, it's like when he sees these images, he goes into preparation mode, which to me, that's probably no longer social engagement, but he's in fight or flight. Well, I got to get the food. I got to prepare for war. Something bad's going to happen. If there's shootings, we're going to war, right? That's the mm -hmm. automatic response of a soldier, typically, not for all. I'm just talking about my experience here. Um, and then when the, the negative event or the, like what Rachel said, the environmental external stressor dissipates or no longer in visual, the freeze shows up. And you'll notice him just kind of freeze up and be sort of, I don't know, catatonic or almost, or just, it's like, what happened? Well, I don't have to fight anymore. So I'm just sort of freezing up, see what happens. And then he unfreezes and gets back into social engagement. So I don't know if that's true for all veterans, but that's true for our veterans here. So, and maybe that happens to folks who have been in a school where there was shootings I think it's I think it's the same trauma response. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I mean I think trauma responses are pretty common and familiar across like across the various traumas. I don't know how to word that. Yeah, but, so okay. Yeah. yeah. Collective trauma response. There we go. Healing. Um, yeah. in order to take care of ourselves, we need to shift towards being more trauma-informed. So in the way we model it for our kids, but also how we take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. mm, that's so good, Caitlin. That's a, yeah, collective response. And that, um, that collective fear. <clears throat> so then we move into what you were sharing, Miss Caitlin, about was the ACEs. Is this is something that as school counselors, they kind of do ACEs at school? Is that what they do? Some, some do. Um, I was trained in my graduate program. We talked a lot about ACEs to know how much trauma someone may have had. I, I am of the mindset that everybody has some level, but um, ACEs kind of enlighten us whenever we're working with someone. It, it's a quick way to get a lot of knowledge to know how traumatized this individual may have been. And with ACEs, it's, it's a way that we're able to just score someone very quickly. So of course it's not the whole picture, but we look at, um, did you have a disability growing up? Um, were your parents divorced? Was there drugs in your home? Um, were you in a car accident? Um, just all these different things that can be categorized as traumatic. Um, and that kind of gives us a direction to go in as a therapist and counselors. So, you know, they're calling now, like today's kids, the lockdown generation, because they have mm -hmm. to practice lockdowns. Like that's part of their public education. Like we will practice lockdowns three, four times a year active shooter drills, things like that. And it's it's very um, real. It, it puts it in your mind like, oh, this is something that could happen. That's why we really have to practice and take this seriously. So all this 
stuff in the news and all these media events and, and things with the shootings, um, I would argue affects some everyone's aces. I, I would say it's traumatic for everybody because we are so connected with social media and it does affect us each personally when we see that. Right. I mean, it's a moment in time, even if it's not directly happening to you, right? I mean, think about being a student in an elementary school or even middle school or high school, right? And you're doing a lockdown drill. It's not, there's no actual threat in that moment, but you can't help but think about like, oh, okay, what if this really did happen? It's a moment in time where you don't feel safe because you're uncertain. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's in, you know, in that same for adverse childhood experiences. So Caitlin and Rachel, they they were um, as school counselors, they have had a lot more um, training and education around ACEs. That's something new for my generation where we did, I mean, trauma, I don't know. I think we've had more trauma since your generation, even though I'm, I'm early forties, but still it seems like there's been more traumatic events in the last mm -hmm. 20 years previous. Is that, you guys think that's accurate? I don't know historically speaking, if that's true. I don't it's know. It's definitely in the media more now than ever. Yeah, I, I can remember when 9-11 happened. I think I was in sixth grade and um, everyone just stopped what they were doing and we just watched it on TV at school. Yep, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was extremely traumatic because you really thought we were at war. Yeah. I, I did, I thought we were going yeah. to war, yeah. And so when we get inundated with all this, you know, can you guys hear me okay? I'm turning Yeah, crystal clear. Yeah. Okay, um, for our listeners, um, when you're getting inundated with all this red alert and you're in fire flight, how important is it to remove self and regain homeostasis for your mental health. How important is that? It's extremely important. Yeah, go ahead, Caitlin. What were you gonna say? I love that you mentioned like the science behind it. Um, and we discussed like the feelings that come up and where you feel it in your body because that information is so important. That's your clue. Oh, oh this isn't serving me or something's wrong here. Yeah. Do you guys, here's one thing that I run into, you know, cause like the number one recommended way to try to help cope is to take a media break, like distance yourself from seeing and hearing about these traumatic events. Um, but I have a lot of people struggling with anxiety and they feel like they can't stop. Like they feel like the only way that, that they'll feel better is to be prepared and they can't be prepared if they don't know. Right. Do you guys run into that? I'm one of those. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I like to know what's happening in the world, but one thing I've found that has helped me has been to limit it. 
I'll tell myself, okay, I'm gonna listen to this for about 15 minutes. And after that 15 minutes, I've got the highlights and then I'm gonna turn this off and try to soothe myself for a minute. <laughs> okay, I like that. So it's limiting, like you're not saying none at all. Right. but you're giving yourself a window of say 15 minutes where you let yourself get the, the, the highlights, the cliff notes, so to speak, and then kind of moving on with your day. That's great. Yeah. Cliff notes. I love that. Hey, that's so good. That's so good. And when I was growing up, my grandma would sit and watch the news 24 seven and she would be biting her nails. Oh. And worrying about every event in the world and I'm like I don't think this is the way I don't think I'll do this when I'm older I think I'll just disengage from the news because remember the neuroscience says humans are bent towards negativity already we remember negative events we also look for negative things because before during the caveman times we were fearful we'd lose our life so we're always looking for things that could kill us Mm -hmm. what several neuroscientists say so if you sit and watch that something's going to kill you something's going to kill you something's going to hurt you something's going to I mean yes those threats are real and can happen but what are you telling your brain mm -hmm. that the threat is immediate and yeah we're either going into fight or flight or freeze yeah good Rachel that's it it's immediate when in fact it's not typically immediate unless, you know, it could happen, but you're, you're telling your brain it's, it's going to happen. It's happening right now. Yeah. It's happening right now. If you're the person that internalizes that, that, that one third in that study I mentioned earlier, they are sitting at home, not living maybe as they normally would have chosen to do. And coming out of this pandemic time, or even we're still in it, I guess, with the lockdown. Um, you know, we we had a pause on normal life for so long mm -hmm. that if you ch choose to do that for your to yourself, I guess it. Oh, I feel like that's really hard on your mental health. Mm. Oh, Linda, think, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, that's all right. Go ahead, Linda. Well, the news media talked like there were going to be body bags laying on the side of the street. I don't know if you guys remember that, but pre, you know, pre lockdown it, I thought this is it, man. This is the plague. Mm -hmm. Everybody get in the house and hover, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that's what we thought. That's what mm -hmm. the, that's, that was what, I mean, I guess they didn't know what COVID was going to do and how bad it was going to get, but I feel like Sometimes media banks on our brain feeding into the external negativity. I think maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, it's assuming the worst. Yeah. You know, we have a tendency to do that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And some, I mean, we've talked in previous podcasts about highly sensitive people, mm -hmm. and I think it's even harder for the folks that, you know, that fit the highly sensitive person to consume really 
violent. You know, we talked about it. It's, you, they don't want to watch the violent, gory movies because, right? Or for me, I can't watch the boxing match. I'm like, ah, my, my face hurts. But, <laughs> right? So, yeah, it's so hard to see that because we feel it, like, mm-hmm. physically, more than just the stomach churning. It's like we feel the, the, the heartache of the parent that lost a child. We feel the, ugh, all of it. Mm-hmm. It drains us, drains our empathy reserve. Yeah. Yes. Well, it makes, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And can make it harder for you to be there for people that are in your, you know, your family, your friends, your colleagues, you know, people that you want to be there for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what can we do? to combat those external stimuli that freezes us or puts us into fight or flight. And Caitlin brought up a great way, just limit it. And Rachel said cliff notes. So you got to refuel and re-energize your soul and your vessel. And how, what are some ways, some other ways we might move out of the external stimuli that causes this fight or flight? What are some other things we might suggest our listeners to do? Moving your body, going on a walk, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever form of movement you like, be that uh, playing a sport, yoga, running, weightlifting, right? Movement is so good for that fight flight um, thing because it kind of like can trick your brain and body into thinking that you did like defend yourself or run away, right? It can get you back to homeostasis. It puts out those feel good chemicals. Yes, that too. And that cheers us up, makes us happier, helps um, fight some of that brain fog. So maybe we won't feel mm-hmm. as confused or stuck after we do some movement. Yes. Very good. Brain fog. That's so true. You get into a fog, like the COVID fog and the lockdown fog and the, you know, war fog. And, you know, all, all the fogs. fogs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all those fogs. Yes. So, yeah. So our listeners, you know, we want you to be in the green zone where you're feeling joy. Um wanting to connect, feeling motivated, um, being curious about the world, like Rachel traveling to Peru and seeing these beautiful places. We want you to move into social engagement and movement. Um, Like Caitlin said, unplugging, prayer, yoga, meditation. Um, Go to a counselor. Yes. Talk about your anxiety. Name it which Rachel has taught me through Dan Siegel's work, name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is scary. Every time I turn on the news, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm going to, you know, something bad's going to happen. So, you know, having someone to share that with, and then also doing all the mindfulness. And I think that's good. What else do you guys want to share prior to us departing today for a podcast? 
the therapy is so valuable. Just, you know, we're therapists. So of course we're going to say that, but, but it is, um, in therapy, you gain this whole, um, toolbox of coping skills that you can pull out. So, you know, you may not feel like movement that day, but maybe one of us teaches you how to do guided imagery and you sit there and you, you go into the state of mindfulness and you just calm yourself. Or maybe we teach you how to talk to yourself kindly and be kind to your inner child. Maybe your inner child needs you to um, just tell them that it's okay. You know, and maybe your own child's watching you and seeing how you, like Linda, watched her grandmother. So they're seeing how you handle this stuff and how you cope with it. Mm -hmm. It's super important. Well stated. And Caitlin and Rachel have such soft spoken voices. So they're great therapists and their voice alone will soothe you. So if you, <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you have a, a need and you want a great therapist, Caitlin and Rachel, they're, they're awesome. And we, you know, Caitlin's still accepting new clients. I don't know if Rachel is. I think I'm booked. She's yeah. booked right now. See, when you're that good, this is what happens. Caitlin will be booked soon. So <laughs> hurry and get your appointment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, girls. Yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate you joining us for True Vine. Any other thoughts or comments before we head out for our day? Yeah, I guess just as always trying to normalize that, you know, the the increase in stress, anxiety, fear, sadness that you might be feeling, you know, we whatever it is, is very normal. It's chaotic time. It's it's a scary time. And we're all just trying to find ways to feel safe. Right. And so whatever that looks like for you, feeling safe, if it's asking for more hugs than usual, that's been me recently. If it's just finding a quiet, dark place to like lay and listen to some calming music, you figure out what that is for you, right? How can you feel safe when there's chaos happening in the world? Right. My goal for all my clients is always to help them learn how to be happy. That's, that's one goal that I have for all my clients. Like, I want you to learn how to be happy. And the reason why we thought this was an important subject is because all the stuff in the media and all the things going in, on in the world can really steal your joy. Yeah. Well stated, both of you. We appreciate all of our listeners and sharing our podcast it's free to you and we just we just appreciate the opportunity to talk about mental health and and how we like to help you so thank you for joining us today uh, until next time bye bye